Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. New Grace exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media, at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. We're in a series, Get a Life. Get a Life for Discovering New Life in Christ, Colossians 3 and verse number 3. We're going to launch out of there and go in. Y'all might want to answer that. The pizza's at the door. They're ringing you now. Ringing you now. Send it back if it's not supreme. Colossians 3, verse number 3. Paul said this, one verse. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Let's read it again for the effect to kind of sink in. Paul says to believers, you're dead. That's weird. People reading this are obviously very much alive. What is he talking about? There's a spiritual implication that we need to unpack in this sermon. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Spirit of God, I ask you to help me right now to be clear, concise, and completely grounded in your truth. Fill me up, give me liberty to teach this word in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. There's a scene in the movie Zoolander The guy is a male model, and his name is Derek. I know, it seems to be a thing. And he's really let his family down, like just the way his life has turned out. His dad is that hard, rough, rugged coal miner. His brothers are the same thing. And there's a scene where they're, they're in a bar after a long, hard day's of work, and the dad's sitting at the bar, and the... Uh, the brothers are at the bar, and here comes Derek, the, the, the male model in there. And he's, he's, he's just soft. He's, he's, he's precious, you know. And he, he comes in, and he sits down. He's got this, like, little cough from being in the, uh, in, the, in the mine or whatever. And he sits down at the bar, and they're sitting there, and the brothers and the dad are just looking at him. There's a football game on the television, and he's like, who's winning the match? And they're just like, it's a football game. Like, we don't call it a match. You know, but they don't correct him. You can tell they've been bearing with him up to this point. And um, a commercial of him comes on the television screen. There's nothing real spiritual about this, but I promise you, I'm going to extract something spiritual about this, and we're going we're gonna to go, stay with me. I'm going somewhere. And the commercial comes on the television and it's him. Like, he's a, mer- he's a mermaid. Merman, sorry. Merman, merman. And everybody in the bar sees it starts laughing. They know who he is. And they know who his daddy is. And the dad's just disgusted. You know, and he's like looking at the television of this commercial of him, you know, Wetness is the essence of beauty, or whatever the line is he says, and I can't remember. <laughs> and uh, the dad and brothers are like, oh my gosh. Like, 
What the heck, man? And the dad says something. And I've, I've said this line. You've probably said this line. If not, you've lived this line. The dad in utter disdain says, you're dead to me. And it crushes, it crushes the son when he says it. But he, he says this phrase, he says, you're dead to me. And that, that phrase, you're, you're dead to me. That's got a really, really deep rooted meaning behind it. And I, I wrote this down. Here's the definition. You're dead to me. It is the expression of such utter distaste and repulsion for a person or an object that it calls for the personal denial of their or its worldly existence. Dead to me has been attributed to being an old English saying that used to announce that the person in question was disowned and would never be seen or heard from again. Dead to me, it stems from what you and I know as ostracism or when someone's been ostracized, so to speak. It's the idea of rejecting a family member from the family or the tribe, so to speak. Look, the idea of ostracism, being dead to someone, is a nightmare in the cultures that existed of punishment before pre-money, right? It was this idea that you've been outcast, rejected from the group. It was a, it was a very, very horrible thing. It was basically, you gotta understand that in, in those day and age, someone's well-being and livelihood was attached as life support to being a part of a family or the clan or the, or the group, the tribe, so to speak. And so when something like taboo or, or something of honor is transgressed, the individual is ostracized and the family treats them as if they were dead, like they didn't exist like they are no longer alive. Like so dead, we're gonna treat you like you're so dead, it's like you were never born, we were never related, you're not of any kin and we have absolutely no obligation to you. It is their way culturally of saying, you are dead to me. I wanna take that phrase and we haven't even got there yet, but I'm gonna put a spiritual spin on it that will follow you into Monday and Tuesday and give you something you can live biblically till you get back here next Sunday and make it a pattern that will change how you live your life. I wrote down some things that are dead to me. Not, not people necessarily. I only have three pieces of paper. I, 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 got, I got some things that are dead though, dead, dead to me. You ready? Random. Again, nothing spiritual here. Country music after the year 2000. <laughs> Dead to me. Any kind of TV show with a similar vibe to Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Dead to me. People getting famous off of TikToks. Dead to me. TikToks. <laughs> Dead to me. 
The ice cream machine at McDonald's. Dead to me. Miley Cyrus. Okay, there is a person on here. Dead to me. I'm not the only one that has my own list here, right? We've all got these things or people or stuff. We would be like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, I'm done. I'm done with that. It's dead to me. No response here. (laughs) It's dead to me. I asked my wife and I asked the church staff, I said, can you help me out here? Give me some things that are are, are dead to you. And and here's some examples uh, they gave. Uh, Hip hugger jeans, (laughs) dead to me. No, that wasn't Pastor Jeff that said that. (laughs) The Spice Girls, dead to me. This is deep right here. Comic Sans font. (laughs) Businesses who misspell their name to make it more cool or appealing. This is going to hit half y'all right here. Minivans. (laughs) Anchovies. Dead to me. Gas stations with debit card minimum. Here we go. Still wearing Abercrombie and Fitch after turning 18. Why not just Abercrombie and Fitch? That's what I was, I was like, why not just Abercrombie and Fitch? Here's the last one. Decaf coffee. My wife put that, and she added, because decaf coffee is like faith without works. Dead. (laughs) In all, look, in all seriousness, we got to get this plane in the air and land it quickly. In all seriousness, there are certain parts of our old life that you and I would consider being dead to us, right? Things in the past that we're over it, we're done with it, right? It's dead to us. We done buried that, had the funeral for it, moved on, forgotten about it, it's dead to us. Well, I'm glad you feel that way because biblically speaking, all right, let's segue into this because spiritually and biblically speaking, speaking, we, we don't have to be old to have an old life. When I say old life, everybody in the room that trusted Christ at the age of 20 or 30 or 40 is like, yep, yep, amen, I know what you're talking about, preacher, but everybody in the room that got saved when they were nine, or made a serious commitment to Christ when they were like 13, or got serious about Jesus. Some of the students that got serious about Jesus when they were like 15, they're like, what, is that, what does that leave for me, my old life? Like chances are some of the worst decisions you're gonna make are in front of you, and you're gonna drag Jesus through those. Who am I talking to in this room? That was me, got saved at 18, didn't really do a whole lot of stupid stuff until after I met Jesus. So, so let, me, let me say a little thing that kind of will help you, that helped me. Your old you is still with you. You're, in fact, the old you, I want y'all to listen to this. I want my kids to listen to this. Only two of them are here right now. Listen to this. Your old you actually has baggage that is yet to be unpacked. The old you is still with you, still moving in, still living with you, still following you. And your old you, if your old you has it its way, is gonna unpack those ugly bags 
the rest of your life. Like there's stuff the old you is waiting to unveil 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Like the old you is not necessarily equated to time or history, but it's more of the nature you possess outside of Jesus. Does that make sense? And, and despite, look, despite the, the random application and how it's used in our culture, even how we just used it with all these horrible examples that I just gave you, the idea of being dead to me, like it's dead to me, that didn't, very, that didn't really derive its meaning like in our day and age or, or in the era of whatever you and I would consider uh, an old English saying. Actually, God's the one that kind of came up with it and inspired Paul to be the one to say it. Like this goes back to right here, this idea of something being dead to us. So if we wanna really trace its beginning, yeah, let's start with Colossians 3 and let's unpack that biblically because the, the meaning and the way it's gonna land for you and I and the way you and I are gonna benefit from it is better understanding what it means biblically. Like what, here we go, he says we're dead. That's what he says. He's, I know it was 2,000 years ago, but it, it's, nothing's changed. Like everything's the way it was. I know a lot of cultures changed, a lot of time has changed, but biblically speaking, we're in the same biblical framework right here that they were when he was writing that to those people in Colossia, okay? So when he says you're dead, what's dead about a Christian? Jesus said, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I mean, our church exists. What's the, what's the mission statement? So people experience, oh, y'all been paying attention, good. New life in Christ. And, but he says we're dead, so what's dead? What's dead? Galatians 2.20, it's a famous verse. If you're in the business of memorizing verses, it's a good one. Paul said this in Galatians 2.20, for I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified. What happens when you get crucified? It's a form of Roman capital punishment, you die. See the spiritual analogy here? I'm crucified with Jesus. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is Paul saying right here? He is saying, I'm crucified with Christ. Here's what a Christian can say positionally and permanently like Paul said. If you see Jesus crucified, know this, I'm there too. It's like positionally, I'm there with him. Even though I wasn't on the cross, when I became a Christian, a part of me died with Jesus. The old Paul was put to death. The murderer, the persecutor of the church, he died. And so how Paul reckons in his mind is, I died where Jesus died, when Jesus died. I wrote this down. Upon belief in Jesus, there is the crucifixion of self. Everybody point at yourself. Take your finger, take your finger. We're really good at doing this, but point at yourself. You, you died. You died and you didn't know it, but you are done with the old you. 
You were done with the old you. Think about it, a crucified man. A crucified man can't walk. His feet are nailed. He can't reach. His hands are nailed. He can't move. He's fixed to this beam and this timber. A crucified man can't breathe either. You know that's how they die. They don't die from bleeding out. They die from suffocation. Paul said, I smothered the old me. I crucified my old self. I put my old self. That whole theme runs throughout all of Paul's writings. He's constantly talking about, I killed myself. I acknowledge in my mind that I'm dead with Jesus. Well, if you're dead with Jesus, where does that leave you? Buried? Is that it? Like you're just done? You're dead? Is Jesus buried? I've been to Jerusalem. I looked in both places where they said his bones lie. And he ain't there. You'll find Buddha. You'll find Muhammad. You'll find Joseph Smith. You'll find Aristotle. Don't get confused about Confucius. You'll find him too. But you know who you won't find? Jesus. Because he's alive. Because he's risen. Because he lives forevermore. I'm about to help this click. Are you ready? Paul says we died. The old us, the natural us is crucified, dead, done. This is what we would refer to as being dead to self. I'm dead to myself. I'm dead to me. That's a, that's a heck of a statement right there. I'm dead to me. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. That's dead to me. No, no, no. Here's the spiritual message. I am dead to me. I know me. I know what comes with me. I know what I'm capable of. Some of y'all need a mirror and a memory. <laughs> you have both of them. You can buy a mirror and you still got a memory, right? If everything's intact like it needs to be, you still got a memory. You know you. Come on, somebody. You know you. Paul knew him and he said, oh, I'm dead to me. I am dead to me. When you're dead to yourself, I wrote this down, you are dead to what you naturally do, to what you naturally want to do, what you naturally like to do. And do you know, like it's a secret, do you know what you like to do? You know what you want to do? Naturally, the old you that you're still dragging around with you? Sin. You like to sin because sinning is fun. In the moment it is. Sin is fulfilling. In the moment it is. Right? Any preacher that gets up and tells you sin's not fun is an idiot and a liar. Feels good because you're fulfilling this wicked, deprived, distorted part of you that is contrary to God and opposes everything that God is and everything God stands for. And you have a part of you, the old you, that wants to do that. And Paul says, I'm dead to that part of me. I have to die to that part of me. 
Here's a better way he unpacked it in Romans 6. I want you to watch this. Romans 6. Can we do some Bible study? At 3, at 4.18 on a Sunday afternoon. Can we do some Bible study? Romans 6. I got it on the screen, don't worry. I'm prepared. Paul in Romans 5, you should read this, by the way. It's your Bible. No, I'm serious. Like, you shouldn't show up here like Golden Corral once a week and be like, feed me, dude. Like, get a fork and a plate. Feed yourself. You got one too, all right? Romans 5, he's basically talking about how good grace is. At the very end, he kind of leaves us in this perplexed situation of reality of, hey, you're in big trouble if it wasn't for grace. And he says, grace reigns like dominion over your life. That's how he leaves it. Everybody's like, yes, thank God for grace. And then he hits them with Romans six because he knows what they're thinking. You know why? Because he knows what we're thinking. We're thinking the same thing. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That word sin doesn't mean necessarily every little act or deed. It means the entire mindset and nature that comes with the old you. That's what sin embodies. That's what sin is. And all the stupid stuff me and you do as a result of being that way. Should we continue the way we were before we met Jesus? We got Jesus now. Grace will take care of us. What's making grace sound kind of gray and greasy, ain't it? Like, it'll be all right. Just keep doing what we were doing. You got Jesus, you're going to heaven, grace will take care of it. Well, yeah, grace will take care of it. But Paul's like, God forbid. That's not how you're supposed to live. Look what he says. How shall we? Now, who's he talking to? Is he talking to a bunch of idol worshipers? No. Is he talking to Hollywood's elite? No. He's talking to us. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it. You're dead to it. How are you gonna keep living that same way, acting that same way, if you're dead to that? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized or placed into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? I don't have time to really unpack this like a Bible study, but he's not necessarily talking about water baptism. Water baptism just symbolizes the spiritual thing that happened. Yeah, I know, I know, Jesus died and he's buried and he rose again. No, not just that. When you became a Christian, you went down with Christ. The old you, you died to the old you. We buried the old you. Like, I know you're still here and you still have a social security number and like, you still, we still pay taxes and all that stuff. Like, you're still here. But like, when you became a Christian, we had your funeral, you didn't know it. Like the old you is dead. It was buried with Christ and it's, it, it, was, it, was, it was left there. He says, it was, you were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We died like him. 
and we rose like him. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, for from now on, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If you go to a funeral, there's only one person in the room who's no longer sinning. The one that's dead. You know what he's saying? You're dead. You're dead. You're like the chicken running around with its head cut off. You're dead, you just don't know it yet. Like you're, you're, you're dead to the old you, to the old man, to the old ways. All the old stuff about you that's still clinging to you and still attached to you, that nasty attitude, that, that, that tendency to gossip, that, that, that urge and impulse to lie or fabricate the truth, or even about stuff that you shouldn't even be lying about, that, that desire to look where you shouldn't look and say what you shouldn't say and, and, and make decisions that just compromise who you are. Like, where does that come from? I said, old you. And every time you allow that thing to have its way in your day, you're letting a dead man call the shots. You're letting a dead woman call the shots. And so Paul says, now though, everybody say now. Are y'all still with me? We're scuba diving right here. He says, now I'm alive, but not, I'm not alive to, to me, I'm alive to God. He says in verse eight, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's get ready to land this plane. Here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Understand that in Christ, you are dead to you. You are dead to the old you. You're dead, regardless of how you feel, you're dead. Regardless of the decisions you made this past week, you're dead. Man, I went, to pre I went to church this past Sunday and the preacher got up and told me I was dead. Yep. You are spiritually dead to the old you because your new life is found in Jesus. If you could adopt the mindset, I'm dead to me. Remember, where does that mindset come from? Why do we say it about things? There's a disdain and a distaste about something and it's repulsive to us. Does anybody make themselves sick? Have you ever just like looked in the mirror? Get it together. Are you ever going down the road and something begins to play in your mind, a part of your past or part of your past not too long ago and you find yourself like shaking your head trying to get it out? Am I the only hellion in this room? I feel like somebody about to light your torches and get your pitchforks here. So 
I wrote this down. Remember, this way of thinking is a result of bad experiences with something or someone. And you have plenty of bad experiences with you. Apart from Jesus, you come short. Apart from Jesus, you're vile. Apart from Jesus, you are incomplete and undone. You are an unfinished piece of work. Apart from Jesus, you are so in need this evening. It is this understanding and this mindset that is the beginning of how you overcome the old dead things of your life. I wrote this down. This is good right here. When you get tested or tempted by your own tendencies, you have to remind yourself, I'm dead to me. Uh-uh, nope, that's not me anymore. I'm dead to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell her, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send something and I'm gonna code it in a subliminal way and when I post it, everybody's gonna wonder who I'm talking about. And the person you're talking about is not going to read it. What post? I ain't read no post. It feels so good to post it and step back and admire your work. If you, can get the, if you can get where Paul got, he's no different than me and you. He's got as much of God as you do and as much of him as you have of you. And he got to a point where he's like, uh-uh. The guy wrote three letters. It, had, it has to be three. Three letters to the church of Corinth. Now, we have two of them. There's got to be a third one, based on the way things were said. He went to Corinth and ministered to those people. He went there and watched the Holy Spirit do great demonstrations, like outward manifestations of its power in that church. When you go to Corinth in his day and age to minister, that long road that runs into Corinth is lined with these grove trees and these temple prostitutes line those streets all the way into Corinth. He did not wear blinders on his head. He did not say, abstain from every appearance of evil and he stayed away from Corinth. He charged the gates of hell in that city with a bold burning message from God and went in there and led them people to Jesus and turned that town around and upside down. How did he get all the way through that mess? I'm dead to me. Every urge and impulse in this old wicked flesh that says, look, try, taste. He says, I'm dead to it. Dead to me. I know me. And my body, my spiritual motive, it is buried where Christ laid. And what got up was a new man. What came alive was a new person, a new husband, a new daddy, a new son of the living God. I'm new now. I'm not that anymore. I'm new. I, I'm dead to me. 
But if I'm dead to me in Christ, I'm alive to God. Oh, I feel like preaching this. I'm alive to God. Because when you're alive, you respond. Ever been to a funeral and a dead person sat up? No. No, no stimulant. No response. Call their name. Poke them in the head. Close the door. Pull it up. They're not going to move. They're dead. But you trap one of these jokers up in this room in a box. And they're going to come alive on you. You walk up, walk up, find a big, walk, walk back there to Taylor Parker and slap him upside the head and see what happens. You'll find out how alive that boy is because there will be a response when, the, when there's a living, breathing being, there will be a response. Paul says, I'm alive, not to that old flesh, not to that old devil, not to that old way. I'm alive to God. anything that looks, smells, or feels like Jesus, he says, there's a stimulant there. There's a reaction that happens with that. I'm alive to God because the same way Jesus got up, a part of me got up. I came alive. A part of me died and a part of me came alive. That is why he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Somebody help me give God some praise in the room. Come on, JJ, let's close. Remember, remember what Paul said in Romans 6, 4. We also should walk, everybody say walk in newness of life. Paul was real big on illustrative analogies. He says walk, he means this is how you live, right? I've I've used that just recently with y'all. Walking is, is how you live out something. And you walk in newness of life. You're dead to you. Everybody say, I'm dead to me. But in Christ, you're alive to God. You respond to the Spirit. That's why right now as I'm preaching, for those of you who are awake, there's a part of you right now, it's striking a chord. The the truth of God's word, it hits a chord in you and a part of you, it resonates with you because you're alive in that department of your life. You're alive concerning what God has said, what God wants for your life. And so when you walk, you begin to live out the things that are new about you not the things that are old, the things that are new. I wrote this down. You walk or live with three things. It's true for Paul, it's true for me, it's, it's, true, it's true for you. When you walk in the newness of what God has, you, you walk with a new desire. You just, you, you, you want different things. You care about different things. You have a new design for your life because you're dead to what you had. You have a new direction. Now, now all of a sudden you're, you're moving in a completely new, now you're not, eternal destination is not the only thing that's changed, your earthly direction has changed. And there's this new part of you. When you begin to live out the newness in Christ, it has a new effect on you. I wrote these down, I'm done, you ready? You'll get your nap in after all, you ready? Here's the new effect 
When you begin to do these new things, this is the new effect it has. You begin to live confidently in the identity that you have in Jesus. You know who you are and you know whose you are. Here's a new thing that'll happen. You'll settle the past by recognizing forgiveness, living in freedom, and you'll start having unspeakable joy about your future. You'll start changing the way you make decisions. When you have a decision make, you'll recognize, "Uh uh-uh, I'm dead to the old me. I know how the old me would have done it. But the new me is actually gonna pray about this. The new me is gonna seek advice, not agreement. I'll find agreement from people on my level. I'll find advice from people that are above my level. I'll pray about it. I'll seek counsel. I'll look into God's word to see what he has said on the matter. I will be open to what God wants because I know the old me. Here's a new effect that'll happen in your life. You become challenged to grow in knowledge and understanding. You begin to surround yourself with godly influence. You'll learn to read the Bible. Furthermore, you care about whether or not you have an understanding of what you believe and why you believe it. Your relationship with God is gonna be built on serious prayer. It's gonna start mattering to you that you walk with God daily. You'll become equipped to change years of thinking and behavior, regardless of family history and the culture that you were raised in. The old you wants to respond to your kids the way your mom and your grandmom always respond to kids. But the new you will not be programmed or hardwired to respond the exact same way the old you did because the new you is anchored in truth and the love of God and the patience of his spirit and the new you will take an alternate route. The, The new you will stop when there is dysfunction or division in the home and there's conflict between you and the person that you love, the new you will go, whoa, wait a second. I watched how my dad responded. I remember how I've always responded. I'm gonna keep getting the same results if I keep saying and acting the same exact way. I'm gonna do something that I don't normally do and I'm going to I'm gonna guard my tongue I'm gonna patiently allow the Holy Spirit to help me say what I need to say or nothing at all if I don't need to say anything. You see what I'm saying? Like you, you start changing your behavior and you start changing your actions. You start breaking cycles that other people in your family and friends never could. When you start doing the new that I'm talking about, you become the first in your family to do something that other people hadn't done. I was the first person in my family to ever step into ministry. Because I came to a crossroads, my design or God's design, and I, I decided to go with God. And it changed not just my life, it changed my family's life, my parents' life, my brother's life. It had a trickle-down effect. Like, you have no idea what kind of cycle you could create. Like, we're talking, when we say cycle, we're always talking about old cycles. Imagine what kind of new cycle you could start. Maybe you're the person in your family that's supposed to start a new cycle. Here's another effect. You create strong, balanced, Christ-centered relationships with people who have the same faith, and they're going the same direction. You become confident and courageous in sharing your story and your faith. 
Here's where we get to the meat and potatoes. You ready? You become capable of leading and teaching other people. God did not design the church body to have one or two mouths. You become a vital part of your own church by supporting it in giving, attendance, participation, and faithfulness, and your entire life becomes new with each and every day. See, all all this stuff is just surface level, the effects that begin to take place if you and I actually start doing the new that we have in God now. So I'll ask you this as we close. Stand up with me. What would happen if you decided to do something new this week? Is this week gonna look just like last week? Does last week look like the old you? Pastor Jeff and I were talking and he was telling me about some advice he gave somebody and they started following his advice and it's working very well for them. They're like, hey, I wanna, know, I wanna learn how to read my Bible. Well, here's a thought, here's a thought, okay? You're never gonna learn how to read your Bible unless you read your Bible, okay, right? So now that we're on the same page, here's a thought. Make that the last thing you do. Okay, you don't have that whole David spirit out of the book of Psalms where you get up at 5 a.m. and go crawl into the woods somewhere with your Bible and read. I get it. But at some point in the day, make it intentional. The old you is gonna Netflix it all the way to the bedroom, right? The last thing your eyes are gonna see is a TikTok video of stupid dogs, right? The last thing you're gonna see is everybody else's opinion on Facebook or an Instagram. What you want, right? That's the last thing you're gonna put in your head? The last thing you're gonna allow the subconscious to absorb before you drift off to defenseless sleep? for all of your invisible enemies to penetrate your thinking? What if the last thing you did was let the words soak into your head? What if you took notes when I preach like this? I know I'm not a good notes taking preacher because you end up on your feet more than you do sitting on your tail half the time because I'm an evangelist. I get that. But when I preach like this, write stuff down. If there's something on that screen, it's on the screen for a reason. If there's scripture on that screen, write it down. I don't know what to read. Read the thing I just preached about. Like that's taking leftovers home and then reading it. And letting it soak in. And I, oh, I'm, look, all I'm doing, I'm, I'm talking about reading the Bible. I'm just giving you one tiny example of something new that you should probably do. From how you respond to people tomorrow, from how you act when something doesn't go your way, the words that come out of your mouth, what, what, what JJ said that Michael Jones prayed back there, how to respond to a situation that you don't like. I mean, everything. You got one of two options. That's all it is, y'all. Old 
which is supposed to be dead, or new, which is very much alive. Getting a life that looks like what God has for you, it's new. But you don't get that until you recognize, I'm dead to me. I gotta be dead to me if I'm gonna do this new you thing. Spirit of God.